welcome into the Most Accurate Podcast. My name is Anthony Stalter, and I'm joined as always by John Paulson, who is the man, the 444.com senior analyst. He does all your fantasy football rankings throughout the year. And and John, this is the first time I I, I can't help but think back to the, the very first time you and I ever attempted to do a podcast. And we've talked about this before, and I promise you we'll get into all the great content that we have for you today as week one started last night. We're recording on Friday, if you, if you know. But uh, John, I can't, I can't help but think back the very first time you you and I did a podcast, I believe we did it over actual phones. I don't know if it, if it was a cell phone at that point or an actual corded phone, but I I was the I was the analyst and you were actually the host. And eventually, once we got to 444.com, we've been just a tremendous host for us. Uh, then, of course, you became the rightful analyst and I was doing the hosting and we and we just built this podcast slowly. And now we actually have video with an editor. So I, I think this means we made it big. Yeah, this is crazy being on video with you after all these years. I think it was 2005, 2006 when we did our first podcast or somewhere around there. Uh, pretty crazy that after all these years, we're finally uh, live. Now we're not live streaming, but we are recording a video and uh, putting this up uh, on YouTube and everything. So excited to be here to talk about some football. Yeah, it's it's absolutely wild. So we've we've come a long way. But John, it is good to see you. It's good. It's great to kick off a, another season of fantasy football. Drafts are done. And people are excited. And and why don't we start off with, let's just jump right into it. Let's get into your Thursday night takeaways. The the Bills hammer the Rams. It was only 10, it was 10-10 at halftime. But if you were watching that game, you had a sense that the, the Bills really, they had control of it. They had control of it from the onset. The Rams were sloppy offensively. And if it weren't for four turnovers by Buffalo, that's probably a 51 to 10 score as opposed to 31 to 10. But from a fantasy perspective, what were some of your main takeaways from last night's game? Yeah, and you described it exactly correct. It just felt like the Bills were hungrier. Uh, I think that's what kind of happens there when you lose to KC in the playoffs, a tough loss. You have all offseason to sort of stew about it. Okay. And then uh, the Rams, of course, win the Super Bowl. So they kind of come out like, you know, chess pups. They're playing at home. They're they're feeling good about themselves. And they're, maybe they're feeling themselves a little too much. Um you know, to your question, like, what were my takeaways? I really, you know, it didn't shock me, but it was a little surprising that Daryl Henderson got the start. Uh, and then I kind of thought, okay, they're probably just going to rotate series with Cam Akers because they sort of talked about Cam Akers as the de facto starter. But they did, they did, Sean McVay did sort of prepare us for a time split, right? But it was uh, 18 to 3 touches, Henderson to Akers. Akers didn't look good. I think he had three carries for zero yards. Uh, picking up where he left off late last year with his 1.88 yards per carry after the uh, Achilles uh, comeback, which, you know, I'm rooting for him. I, I want him to buck the trend for uh, Achilles injuries with with uh, with running backs. But um, just all offseason, we kind of got this uh, these drip, drip, drips from McVay saying that we're probably not going to to have the, the Cam Akers bell cow usage that we saw late last year. So we were telling our subscribers – you know, don't, you know, don't, don't target acres in the fourth, fifth round. Uh, you know, instead when in these sort of situations, you want to get Henderson late. And uh, I think quite a few uh, four, four subscribers did. And now, I mean, it looks like he might be the clear RB one and it might just be, Oh, we're going to, you know, ease acres back in, but it seems weird that he played so much late last year in the Super Bowl run. And then now he's barely playing. Uh, it was 55 to 12, the snap share. 
between uh, Daryl Henderson and Cam Akers. So that was one takeaway. Another takeaway is the Allen Robinson situation. You know, where is he? Uh, I saw some, uh, you know, pictures of him on the side of milk cartons uh, floating around <laughs> on Twitter. Uh, but, you know, I think, you know, I don't, I have to look at the, you know, what defense that the Bills played. I think everybody was anticipating they play a lot of zone and, and Cooper Cup just eats against zone. So uh, that might just be a kind of a defensive scheme thing that worked in against Robinson. He played 97% of the snaps. Uh, so I think better days are probably ahead. We, you know, I think there's a, people are jumping to conclusions that he can't separate anymore or whatever, but I would like to see him in maybe a different game. And just before I would uh, really start to panic with him, giving, getting that many snaps in this offense. I mean, we know this is a really productive uh, offense passing attack and the number two receiver there, what Robert Woods and then uh, Odell Beckham last year, they posted fantasy wide receiver two numbers. So not panicking on Robinson yet might be a good time to throw out a trade offer if you want to go get him. And then the third takeaway was my man Isaiah McKenzie, who <laughs> had a one catch and then he had a, a bobble, and I was just like, "Oh no, he's gonna go to the bench after the interception that he sort of created." Uh, but they brought him back in, so that was good, uh, and he caught a, a touchdown on a slant, uh, which which is nice to see uh, Josh Allen looking for him in the red zone. Uh, ran a really nice patient route, as uh, I think Collinsworth mentioned. Uh, and he, uh, you know, didn't have a ton of targets in this game. He played 44% of the snaps. Jamison Crowder played 31% of the snaps. Then uh, they also had uh, Jake Kumaro playing quite a bit, which I thought was kind of surprising. So if it's going to be sort of a, you know, Gabriel Davis, 98% of the snaps, Stefan Diggs, 64% of the snaps, I think was the number, or maybe it was a, that was numbers. I think it was, that was the percentage. And then McKenzie, Crowder, and Kumaro sort of splitting the wide receiver three spot that, you know, McKenzie's not going to be the consistent producer that we we're hoping for. If he, he needs to get 50, 60% of the snaps, I think, to be a really consistent producer. He only saw three targets. Crowder only saw four, but he created an interception as well. Uh, Crowder did. So I think they're probably square on that. Uh, so those are my takeaways. I'm not panicking on McKenzie at all, but uh, I mean, it was good to see him get in the end zone after that uh, interception that he caught. Yeah, and if I and if I can add my two cents, and and if you're just tuning in to the Most Accurate Podcast, or if you've been with us for a while, uh, John John's got you covered from you know any anything fantasy related, certainly football as well. But he's got the numbers, he's got the percentages, he's got you know John. I know you you go back and you watch film, and you're looking at preseason snaps, even and kind of looking at uh, some of the rookies in college ball and things like that. And then I try to add maybe some perspective as well from an X's and O's standpoint. You know, I. I this is going to sound somewhat ridiculous because Cooper Cup was targeted 15 times and he caught 13 passes, but it's really tough to get your offense going when your quarterback is being rushed with only four. You know, that's what Buffalo did. They rushed four. Uh, they didn't They didn't rush five. It, it's not like Matthew Stafford was blitzed a lot, and Stafford is excellent when it comes to dealing with only four down linemen. But Von Miller had two sacks. A couple other guys were, were in his face constantly. And as a quarterback, if you can't get to your fifth step, your seventh step, you're not hitting guys on the outside. You don't you don't have time. Throwing the fact that Allen Robinson and Matthew Stafford maybe not on the same page yet. Stafford dealing with the shoulder injury and maybe you just don't have that chemistry. So I agree with John. I think John, you, you bring up a great point in terms of just, you know, if you even want to target Allen Robinson, if you got one impatient, frustrated owner that's like, fine, forget it. I'm I'm out on Allen Robinson. Now's the time to go get him because I do think he's going to still have a productive season. And as you as you outlined with Odell Beckham and uh certainly Robert Woods. There's plenty of target shares in that Rams offense to go around. 
Let's get into this week's biggest fantasy storylines, and we're going to start off with George Kittle. And it doesn't look like, John, that the 49ers tight end is is going to play. He's dealing with a groin injury. He did not practice on Thursday. We're recording fairly early on Friday, so we don't we don't have an opportunity to see what the Friday injury report's going to be. But do you anticipate that the 49ers are going to be without George Kittle? It doesn't sound good. He injured his groin on Monday. And uh, so it's a really kind of a late-breaking sort of injury this week. And, you know, talking to our uh, injury expert, Adam Hutchinson, he he thinks he's going to miss, uh, you know, at least one game, probably two, uh, and maybe three. So it, it might be a while before we see George Kittle. Uh, yesterday, I, in our, you know, locking our draft rankings uh, at the end of the draft season, uh, at kickoff last night, I moved Kittle down a few spots because it just looks like he might. I just assumed he was going to miss two games in the in addition to the typical games that a tight end misses uh, throughout the season. So he ended up dropping down into the mid tight end one, lower end tight end one uh, rankings as far as projections because we're looking at you know what this player can produce and he's got maybe a game or two games fewer to produce it in. So I think for the short term. You know, this is not great for Trey Lance. Uh, it's probably good for Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. Uh, and I think Tyler Croft is the backup tight end there now. So he might be a kind of a surprise play. I don't think we're in a situation right now where we have to play a lot of sneaky starts because most everybody's uh, healthy heading into week one. Uh, but he might be a good DFS, you know, just dart throw, you know, minimum player type or minimum uh, price type player. Uh, Croft because of uh, just the way things are shaping up right now with Kittle likely out. Let's move on to Deontay Johnson. Now the Steelers wide receiver, he's dealing with a shoulder injury, got in some limited work in practice on Wednesday and on Thursday for what it's worth, both George Pickens and, and Chase Claypool said that Johnson looked good in practice. What, where do you have Deontay Johnson ranked right now? And what do you think about his prospects for week one? Yeah, I dropped him down a bit in the uh, in the draft rankings too, since it seems iffy that he's going to be able to play in the first week. Uh, certainly, in this week, he's dropped down. I wanted uh, uh, people to play Gabriel Davis if they had the option over Deontay heading into Week One. Uh, so I wanted to make that clear in the rankings, uh, since he's kind of iffy. I think this, I think yesterday it was cramps he was listed with, which I've never, I don't know if I've ever seen cramps as an injury uh, listing for a player to be limited. Um, but it did seem like there was a bit of positivity about his status for Sunday. Uh, you know, listening to his comments, he sounded pretty frustrated. Whenever a player sounds frustrated like that, it, it leads me to believe that they're, you know, they're, they're kind of getting their head around the idea that they're not going to play. So I'm interested to see what happens today and what the, you know, what the injury report says. I'm not exactly sure when the Steelers play, are they early or they they're the early game? Yeah. So at least we'll know. Fancy owners will know. Thank you for that assist there, Anthony. I didn't pull up okay. my schedule. Uh, <laughs> but at least we'll know, you know, early on Sunday whether or not uh, he's gonna be available. If he's out, uh George Pickens, uh Chase Claypool, Kelvin Austin will be in, you know, Kelvin Austin probably gets the biggest bump from a playing time standpoint, but I would probably you know look at Pickens and, and Claypool as maybe startable and then Freermuth might see an extra couple targets. I mean, Deontay Johnson is such a big part of that offense, you know, 20% plus uh, target share every year, um, just rock solid. So if he's out, then that's going to really distribute some targets elsewhere. So moving on to Chris Godwin now, the Bucks wide receiver, as people know, he had his knee surgically, surgically repaired. He did actually 
be, uh, he did actually participate fully on Wednesday. He sat out Thursday. It seems like the Bucs might be testing out whether or not uh, that, that knee can kind of handle playing on Sunday. Now, the Bucs play on Sunday night. My question would be, John, it, it does appear like Chris Godwin might suit up. The question is, what's the snap count going to be and then how effective he is? I'm sure fantasy owners that got Chris Godwin a little bit later in their drafts might be excited to see that he, he could play. But I, I can't imagine that he's going to see enough production to, to, to merit a fantasy start. But what do, what's your thoughts? Yeah, so having done this for 12 years or so, um, you've seen this kind of scenario play out a bit. Uh, it, was, it was odd that he was full and then a DNP. Now, two things could be happening there. He could have had a setback, which I don't think was what's happening because they didn't mention anything about a setback. But they could have been doing, okay, we're going to go full. We're going to see how the knee responds and how you feel on Thursday. And then we'll, if, if everything's good, we'll go full or limited on Friday. And then, you know, make a game time decision, see how you're seeing on, feeling on Sunday night. Um, the issue here is that they play <laughs> Sunday night game. So there's not just not a lot of uh, great uh, pivots unless you have a Russell Gage or a, a Julio Jones. Um, I think that's, you know, a doable if you wanted to, you know, wait on Godwin. I think the one thing that is key here is that you probably shouldn't be waiting on Godwin. I love Chris Godwin. Everybody knows I love Chris Godwin <laughs> um, ever since he was available in the fifth round so many years ago and broke out. But the issue here is I never, we, I talked about it in the preseason. They, they aren't, they aren't trying to get Godwin ready for week one. So um, the, they just want him ready when he's ready. And they've been saying that uh, to the reporters, to Stefania Bell from ESPN, talking to him when, and when he's ready, they'll have him out there. And I think that this is a team with Super Bowl aspirations. So they're not going to rush Godwin back. Not when they have Evans gauge uh, Julio Jones sign now. Um, so, even if he does play, I think he'll probably be his laps or snaps will be limited. I'm sort of expecting like 75% of what he would usually play. He usually he's usually a 95% type snap player, so I would expect that to be cut at you know by 25% at least, and he might only play 50% of the snaps or something like that. And then so he's not a player that is I'm looking at as somebody that's likely to score wide receiver one type numbers if he plays. Um, so. You should probably have a better option on your bench, especially given the, the time frame of this game. Um, they play the Cowboys. There's not a great pivot option for the Cowboys. Broncos, you know, maybe a Jerry Judy. Um, and then the Seahawks, maybe a Tyler Lockett. So um, I know in one of my leagues, I'm going to start Tyler Lockett. And then if, if Godwin plays, I'll have a decision to make. But um, those, are the, those are the teams that are playing at the same time or later than, um, than the Buccaneers on Sunday. So let's let's – transition to Alan Lazard and listeners know that you oh you know you, you've been a, you're a Packers fan if if you look at uh so the things that are going on right now in, in Packers camp and Matt LaFleur talking about how Alan Lazard was stepped on did not practice the issues or at least early on in camp the issues between Aaron Rodgers and maybe some of his young wide receivers and being on the same page what what's your thoughts on Alan Lazard as as uh, we approach Week One? So he got his foot stepped on. Um, this has been a very difficult receiving quarter project all preseason because we just don't know who's going to be out there on a weekly basis. Sammy Watkins has some talent, but can't stay healthy. Uh, Randall Cobb is one of Rogers' favorite targets, but he's older. 
we don't know how many games he's going to be able to play or how effective he's going to be uh, for 17 games. Uh, Romeo Dabbs has been the one consistently uh, applauded, lauded uh, receiver amongst this rookie class heading in. Um, and then uh, Christian Watson obviously was the big trade-up to get him at the top of the second round. Uh, and then they've got Amari Rogers, the third rounder from last year. So, you know, a lot of moving pieces. I think this might be a, a, a season where they've got a bunch of guys in that 400 to 600 yard uh, receiving range. And we just don't have a clear starter every week. I think Lazard's probably that best bet for that because Rogers has talked about him as the wide receiver one and obviously has a lot of familiarity with him. So he's the, probably the best bet to go, you know, for a thousand yards and eight touchdowns. Uh, but if he's not out there, then I think Dobbs is an interesting sleeper because he's probably wide receiver four right now. And if, if Lazard is out, he probably moves into the starting lineup alongside Sammy Watkins, who's healthy. Uh, and he says he's feeling sharp and, um, and Cobb in the, in the slot. Now, with that said, Sammy Watkins is known for week one explosions and then disappearing. So he might be a fun DFS play or if you are sort of if you're playing in a, in a league where you have a huge lineup that you start, you might want to plug in Watkins if Lazard is out because he is he does have. Aaron Rodgers throwing in the ball. He has a history of week one production, and the Vikings last year were among the worst teams in pass uh, defending uh, receivers. So, from a fantasy points allowed standpoint, so um, it's going to be a confusing year. I'm interested to see in terms of snap shares the first few weeks with this team. And I, I loaded up on a lot of Dobbs in the eleventh to thirteenth round because it just seemed like uh, when when Rodgers is talking about a rookie like that, that's a really good sign. All right, let's talk about J.K. J.K. Dobbins. A lot of people have been waiting for the former Ohio State Buckeye running back to kind of, you know, make his appearance in the NFL. Now, he missed all of last season with the knee injury. So this was interesting. Jamison Hensley, who is the ESPN Baltimore Ravens reporter, he tweeted out what Lamar Jackson had to say after he was asked about J.K. Dobbins and whether or not, you know, he's getting better. And he's been Lamar said, yeah, he's getting better every day. Hopefully, hopefully he'll be out in a couple of weeks. Do you think that Lamar Jackson indicated that his his running back, one of his running backs is not going to play? Not only is he not going to play in week one, he might not play in maybe the majority of September. Yeah, this is, I mean, I, I don't want to, I, I'm sorry for laughing because it's the guy's injury and he's trying to get back. But Dob, right. the reason I was laughing is that Dobbins been, has been clapping back at Ian Rappaport and whoever whoever is uh, out there talking about him on Twitter. He obviously searches his name to, to see what's <laughs> being said about him. Um, and he has said all along that he's going to play week one. Uh, I don't know that I believe him. Uh, John Harbaugh has been kind of talking him up a little bit this week in terms of him. Uh, uh, ascending or you know getting better uh, as this week has gone on. Um, so just sort of waiting to see what the the situation is with him and you know the, the Ravens uh, looks like they play uh, early. So that's good for fantasy owners to know. But Dobbins is not somebody I have like in any of my teams. I have not been targeting. I've been fading him pretty hard uh, just due to this whole thing. And then also when he is healthy, is he in a timeshare or is he uh, a lead? like bell cow back because they've they've been been doing a timeshare there you know for several years now uh the last time dobbins played he split time with gus edwards who's also pretty effective efficient runner and i don't think he's just going to go away so if dobbins sits um you're probably looking at mike davis or Kenyon drake uh, you're probably looking at both of them as a 
took a timeshare, and I bet whoever's looking better on game day probably gets more uh, touches. Davis probably will start because he's been there quite a bit longer than 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 Drake. But you know, looking at the PFF grades last year, Drake was pretty much better in every aspect of of the game than than Mike Davis. Although two two years ago in Carolina, Mike Davis had some good uh, advanced stat type numbers, breaking tackles, yards after contact per attempt. Um, it might be a little bit better uh, running a ball up the middle. So I'm not the Jets. The interesting thing here is that the Jets were like 32nd in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. So there is a good matchup here. It's just we don't have any idea uh, who it's going to be. If if Dobbins is active, then he kind of becomes an interesting sort of DFS dart throw because you know why would they have him out there if he's not ready for 15 touches and he's going in against the Jets. Um, who they can probably look at and say we can beat the Jets without Dobbins. I think that's maybe the maybe the Ravens are thinking that. So if they do play him, maybe they've they're going to give him some workload. But if they do sit him, maybe it's not a death knell to to Dobbins in week two or week three. To to your point though about Lamar Jackson, I think maybe he let the cat out of the bag, and you know the the feeling might be with the team that he's Dobbins is not going to be back for another week or two. So hopefully all that sets up for is a huge day out of Lamar Jackson, because as you know, John, I, I took Lamar Jackson in our fantasy draft and it segues perfectly into our sleeper sneaky start of the week. And you might be asking yourself, well, what's sleeper? Does it mean uh, sleeper as in this is John's sleeper for the week? Yeah, it's kind of twofold, I guess, you know, to play on words. But no, sleeper is the, as John and I know, because we, we use and we have used Sleeper now for a couple of years now, but Sleeper is one of the fastest growing customizable fantasy football platforms in the industry. If you head to sleeper.com, uh, download the latest or you could download the latest app. John and I both have both. Have both. Uh, in fact, when we did our draft, I did it off my phone. When I'm making my adjustments, it's usually on my laptop. So both platforms are, are easy to use. Uh, we certainly we certainly love Sleeper. And John, as you know, a couple of years ago, I was I would always gripe, and I won't say what the, the name is, but I would always gripe about the previous fantasy, fantasy site that we used in our keeper league. I, I was like, I, this is not user friendly. I don't know what I'm, you know, I, I don't know where where I can go to even set my lineup. This is di- where where are the 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 waiver wire pickups? Like it was it was frustrating. We get to the draft, it was difficult, but not with Sleeper. Sleeper is user friendly uh, for a guy like me that's not tech. John is tech tech savvy i am not uh, but for somebody like me sleeper is extremely easy to use and, and we certainly love it in our keeper league yeah and my uh sleeper sneaky start of the week this week is elijah moore now there are going to be some people out there that are upset that i'm using elijah moore who's a fantasy wide receiver three as my sleeper sneaky start of the week but you can never you uh, can't make everybody happy I uh, I definitely bumped him up this week. You know, I had him ranked in the mid thirties uh, draft rankings, but this week especially uh, against the Ravens. Uh, now the, the Ravens were pretty banged up in the secondary last year. They really struggled against the pass, but they're always been good against the run. So I think the Jets are going to have a tough time running the ball. They got Joe Flacco at quarterback. Uh, in the in Joe Flacco's one start last year, uh, uh, Elijah Moore had eight catches. 141 yards and a touchdown on 11 targets. Flacco came in the previous game in relief of Zach Wilson when he got injured. I think it was Wilson or maybe it was White, but he came in in relief the previous week. He he completed three passes, two of them in six snaps. Two of them were to Moore. So two for two to Moore for 40 yards and a touchdown. So just from a 
a game plus six snaps sample, it seems like he has a really nice rapport with Elijah Moore. Garrett Wilson right now is the wide receiver four. Corey Davis should be okay as the number two option. And Braxton Barrios is playing in the slot. So I think Moore is not seeing much target competition, uh, especially from Joe Flacco, who seems to really love him. So I like him a lot this week. I've got him ranked in the low 20s. I think he's a great play in DFS. And I'm going to start him in our sleeper league, Anthony. And uh, just a really great route runner and shaping up for a great week against the, the Ravens. I was I was really excited because I have Stefan Diggs in our league, John, and, and he had a nice night. Then I looked and my competition had Cooper Cup. So yeah. I'm already I'm already trailing, <laughs> but at least I, I matched him a little bit. All right, let's get to some of your sneaky starts that you know aren't the sleeper sneaky start of the week, but but the some of the other sneaky starts. And this is one of my favorite segments. Now we only give you a taste. If you go to four for you can see John's full article. He has a breakdown of quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. Gives you different options, tells you why. Uh, some, as John just noted, might might not be viewed as uh, all that sneaky, but then he gives you a couple of long shots if, you in, if you're in a jam. It's a great article to read all the way through, uh, especially if you play DFS too, because if you play some DFS, you're always looking at, for some value savers. I, I use John's article not only for my, my league-long fantasy teams, but for DFS as well. So I implore you to go to 44.com and check out the entire article. But let's give people a taste and we'll go, we'll give, we'll give one, one player per position here, John. Why don't we start off with the quarterback and you're going to talk uh, about a quarterback that is still near and dear, dear to my heart, despite the fact that he's playing for another team. Yeah, it's got to be weird for you to see Matt Ryan in a different uniform, very, huh? Very yeah, weird. I, but honestly, I'm happy for him and I'm, I'm kind of rooting. Falcons are going to have the number one or number, number two pick next year. So I'm going to root. I'm going to root for for uh, the Colts too for Matt Ryan. He deserves to win. Uh, yeah, probably like it was like seeing uh, Brett Favre and the Jets and the Vikings uh, uh, uniforms. Um, yeah, Matt Ryan. I think it's nice a nice start this week. And, and this article, I try to focus on players that are ranked higher than usual uh, due to either matchups or some injuries ahead of them. So it ranges from a player like Elijah Moore, who might be oh I might bench him, I might start him all the way down to somebody you can pick up off your waiver wire uh, and and plug into your lineup. So just everybody understand that, please. Uh, Matt Ryan, uh, the interesting thing about Matt Ryan is that reading a lot of these preseason reports about training camp is how much faster he gets them in and out of the huddle than somebody like Carson Wentz. Uh, the, The Colts were super slow last year. Uh, in terms of seconds per play. I think they might have been last in the league. Talked about this a little bit on Wednesday. The Falcons, I think, were fifth in terms of fastest uh, seconds per play. So from a fantasy standpoint, we like that because we're going to get more offensive plays, get them in and out. Uh, The drives might be a little bit shorter if they go three and out or whatever, but they're getting more plays overall uh, for the game. So Matt Ryan against the the Texans, 21st in adjusted fantasy points allowed to – Quarterbacks, I think it's a little bit there. There's a there is a chance of a, like a three touchdown Jonathan Taylor game where Matt Ryan throws for 150 yards and that's it. He just manages the game and doesn't score much. But you know, if the if Davis Mills and the Texans are able to put up any kind of a fight and we get into maybe a little bit of a shootout or maybe they can you know maybe they can score 17, 21 points that the Texans, then you know Matt Ryan's going to have to do something at some point and he might end up you know, with two or three touchdowns uh, in a good game. And it sort of depends on how this Colts defense plays, really. 
However, uh, the Texans, uh, they gave up the 10th most passing yards per game, 242. The 14th most passing touchdowns, 27 last year. And the fourth highest yards per attempt, 8.0. So I'm expecting an efficient uh, game for Matt Ryan as he starts to get in tune with his uh, weapons, Michael Pittman, uh, et cetera, there in that uh, in that Indianapolis offense. So let's talk about one of the running backs that you like this week. Again, go to 444.com if you want the complete list. But uh, one of the running backs that that you like is is actually a play on Monday night. Yeah, uh, Rashad Penny, you know, it looks like Ken Walker is going to be out, even if he's back from this core muscle surgery. I wouldn't expect him to have much of a a workload, uh, having been out for a while and also being a rookie. Uh, Penny, we have to remember that Penny, this is not a great matchup against Denver. They're seventh in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. But the the Seahawks want to run the ball. They've got Geno Smith at quarterback. He's going to have to throw at some point, but they want to be a run-oriented team. And we just have to remember what Penny did late last year. He had 671 rushing yards in his final five games to go along with six touchdowns. So, you know, the Seahawks weren't a great team last year. They did have Russell Wilson. Uh, they don't have him this year. But uh, Penny really produced down the stretch, and he's healthy now. So, uh, you know, he's probably going to see at least 15 touches, if not more, in this offense. And, uh, you know, if the Seahawks can sort of keep it close, then he might even go over 20 carries. John, when when uh, we covered Mizzou, for, you know, we covered Mizzou. I, I host a radio show in St. Louis. So when we talk about Mizzou football, when this this next player that's on your sneaky starts, um, you know, your, your sneaky starts list, whenever we had to talk about him, we just revert to him as Albert O because his last name, difficult to pronounce. So I'm just going to go with Albert O like we did when he played for Mizzou. Uh, but very talented tight end that – you know, you thought that was he was going to develop some some chemistry with his former quarterback Drew Locke, who also went to Mizzou. Didn't really pan out in Denver with those two guys, but now Albert O is going to face Drew Locke's current team, which is the Seahawks. Again, talented tight end. Do you think that Albert O, uh, not only for for Sun for Monday night's matchup, do you think do you think that he could have a productive year now that Russell Wilson's in Denver? Well, I, ho- I hope so. I drafted him quite a bit. I have him in our league uh, that I play in against uh, with you and. Um, I'm hoping he does break out this year. I he's had a very tumultuous uh, offseason, preseason. Uh, was playing into the fourth quarter, uh, I think, in the second preseason game. He sat out the third game, and you know people took that as a positive because he, uh, you know, they, they weren't playing the starters, but he had some sort of leg injury, so they held him out. But that does indicate that they want to start him uh, this week. Uh, Greg, Dul- Greg Dulcich is not a factor right now and I think the concern with with Alberto is blocking um, but he should be in on you know running most of the tight end routes in this offense uh, he's six foot six he runs a 449 40 yard dash uh, he posted the fifth highest yards per route run at tight end last year so he, while he didn't play a lot behind Noah Fant he was super productive when he was on the field I, I, I'm hoping that he's kind of a gamer and comes out and makes a couple of plays in this game. Uh, the, C- the Seahawks were 28th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends last year. They've been kind of bad against tight ends, it seems, for a couple of years now. So that's been kind of a trend. Um, and he obviously got the big quarterback upgrade and a big role upgrade with Noah Fant moving along that trade for for Russell Wilson. The one knock on him, uh, you know, the pre- other than the preseason not being a great situation for him playing time-wise, is that Russell Wilson has a history of not throwing to his tight ends a whole lot. Uh, people uh, speculate that he can't see over the middle of the field. 
Uh, so hopefully they run uh, Albert O down the sidelines a little bit or get him over by the sidelines so, so Russ can kind of see around his his offensive linemen uh, there. Uh, he Just going back to Russ, though, he did throw the ball a lot to uh, Jimmy Graham. Um, obviously, Jimmy Graham in Seattle was a lot more in his prime uh, and played more of a receiver role. But I think that's what Albert O is going to play. Uh, for the Broncos this year. So, uh, you know, I think he's an interesting dart throw again uh, on Monday Night Football. It's always it's always funny. Normally, mobile quarterbacks do tend to rely on their tight ends a lot. Uh, they get running around, and obviously they, they start to look toward the middle of the field where the tight end is. So it usually usually that works out better that way. But, yeah, for whatever reason, I don't think it's because of his height, but Russell Wilson avoiding <laughs> some of the tight ends is kind of funny. A That's funny narrative. Yeah. I'm just saying I'm just a speculation. Yeah. <laughs> not, not, not me saying it. No, no, no. Uh, John, it, it is always a pleasure to do these podcasts with you. We hope that everybody enjoyed the first video version of the Most Accurate Podcast, at least for, for, for John and I. We're going to be doing this each and every Friday. We'll, we're going to be recording and then we'll post it. And then hopefully everybody uses the information and uh, wins big on, on Sunday and on Monday. But we'll be back every single Friday right here for the Most Accurate Podcast. As you can see at the bottom of the screen, at 444 underscore John is, is where you can follow John on Twitter, at Anthony Stalter. I've given 444.com uh, certainly uh, a lot of plugs and, and for good reason. One, we that's our that's our bread and butter. That's our employer. But when it comes to John's rankings, you'll find them there. When it comes to John's sneaky starts, you'll find them there. We've got betting content as well that is always excellent at 444.com. So uh, we hope that you check it out. And we'll see you next time. For John Paulson, I'm Anthony Stalter, uh, the most accurate podcast.